0: Hey, this is Adam Spiegel, and you're listening, of course, to Proudly Resents. A couple weeks ago, I got an email from my friend, Noam He said, do you want to talk to Orlando Jones? And I said, uh, yeah. So I went to his hotel room in Hollywood, California. Hello. And we talked about his TV show, Sleepy Hollow, his film career, working with Ivan Reitman, Harold Ramis, and starring in Double Take. And what was that like? Being able to make some choices, but not others. Really interesting stuff. Hope you enjoy it. Orlando Jones, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me, man. This is cool.
0: <laughs> so there's the shows about cult films and, you know, mm-hmm. odd films. what films do you look up to that you, uh, oh, when you hear that?
1: Man, you know, the cult cult ones for me are the ones I love, not the ones other people might love. You know, uh-huh. I overlap with them sometimes, but it, the cult ones for me are, are really crazy things. Um, I'd say used cars, uh, Robert Zemeckis movie, which I just, I love that film. What do you
0: remember from that film?
1: Oh, what don't I remember? Um, the dog was one of my favorite characters of the film and the way they wove him through. Uh, and uh, the same, I can't remember the guy's name, which is pathetic because he's one of my favorite actors, actually. Carussell or Jack, uh, uh, Jack Ward? Jack Ward, yes, but Carussell but also... Uh, uh, the guy who played the uh, police lieutenant in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? I
0: don't know his name, but I know exactly you know what I'm right. talking about. yeah, yeah. yeah. Who,
1: it was the relationship between him and the dog and okay. used cars that used to kill me because it was such physical comedy. Yeah. And he was so phenomenal at physical comedy. It was just breathtaking to see what he could do because you have to understand, he wasn't doing it with a human the way most of us, even with stunts, you're interacting with another human in stunts. Mm-hmm. So becoming an action guy is just a level of stunt that if you know how to do it, you can do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you look really stupid, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, Even in a movie where you don't have the money, it's harder to do because if you're in a big budget movie, they can make it look perfect. But when they actually have to watch you, it's in totally different thing and so when i've done films like enemies closer it's been about that sort of stuff because i've always loved those old chuck bronson yeah you well, know watching it this morning you kicked some ass in it you man. know oh thank you it's just crazy or, or remember like every which way but loose those uh-huh. old clint eastwood movies where <laughs> he's acting with an orangutan you know what i mean like yeah. i really loved i think you know play misty for me one of Clint's earlier first film i think he directed uh-huh. which uh later became known as dangerous liaisons um, uh, Valmont, uh, which is uh, actually... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm confusing. I'm, I was going to say Play Misty for me. I'm confusing. Play Misty for me became Fatal Attraction. Oh, shit. Sorry. Play Misty for me is Fatal Attraction. Uh-huh. So Fatal Attraction is a remake of Play Misty for me. Got it. Clarity. Um, jumping to the next film that I really love of those sort of cult films, uh, Dangerous Liaisons, Uh uh, which was a remake of Valmont.
0: Why do you consider that a cult?
1: The language of it, it. It's so facile, you know, and it's so interesting to watch the english actors of today um who i think are obviously extraordinary and the praise that they receive but looking at also the pedigree that they're coming from and just sort of enjoying you know the the english invasion of the european invasion on the actor side has been for me exciting just because I, I i love so much of their work but i've loved it from this sort of very old-school point of view, you know, and, and I'm not calling sensib- Sensibility or Howard's inn old-school, but in today's world, that yeah. actually kind of would be.
0: It would be. You, you start on VHS. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: And, and I was looking at the films that preceded that, but not so much because I wasn't old enough, you know? So I'm looking at it from a very generational perspective and saying, you know, when I talk to my counterparts who are in their you know, mid 30s or late 20s or mm-hmm. even mid 20s, you know, I'm talking old school to them. And that's, that's sort of fascinating because of the, the titans in the industry that, you know, sort of groomed and helped and, and been such a part of, of the blessed life and career I've had.
0: What, what movie do you tell like people in their 20s they should see? like caddy we just talked about caddy oh
1: god i mean come on i mean god rest his soul harold Ramos. i mean the soul
0: you you worked with
1: him of course yes i mean i worked with him he was amazing we did bedazzled so you know for me the only reason i wanted to do bedazzled was caddy shack i mean literally i got a phone call or i read somewhere that harold Ramos was making a film and the level of nerd geek that i am i literally called my agents and i was like i want to do that. I need to do that movie. It's based on the British. Oh my God! It's that's awful my ab- favorite movie. It's on. awful. I mean, do you know what this is? Like, no, this is okay. I got to be there. I don't care what it is. And I remember having the biggest fight with my agents and representatives of the time because they said that I had my career was past that movie. Uh-huh. I was beyond that movie in the lexicon of, I guess, famedom or whatever the hell that meant.
0: You had a supporting role. You were in the lead in
1: it, right? Exactly. And at this point, I'd been. The lead, you know, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd done Double Take. I'd starred in movies, you know, Mad TV. I'd, I'd already done all that stuff. So, you know, to them, you know, after, you know, you did this in The Replacements where you were an ensemble with Keanu Reeves after The Matrix and all of the business jargon that goes along with why to do this versus that. Right, right. You know, I, I found myself stuck in that, that situation where I, nobody wanted me to do it. And I was like, this is Harold Ramis. Shit up <laughs> put me in room I don't care how much money it is going to be there oh my god and so it was one of the greatest times I've, I've ever like had a fun movie to be in man Brendan Fraser hilarious just so much fun it was just a fun movie to do with some like Toby Huss uh-huh. uh Miriam Shore I mean there were some beasts character sketch comedy <laughs> people Where in the movie. Com-
0: you guys did sketch comedy. Yeah, part we, of the film.
1: Yeah, we were all sketch guys. Yeah, yeah. So it was sketch, you know. It was Mad TV again. Uh-huh. And when I left Mad TV, I didn't think I'd get the opportunity to do it again ever. And I certainly didn't think I'd get to do it in film, right. particularly with the likes of Harold Ramis and some of the gods of sketch comedy. I mean, you know, same thing when I heard Dan Aykroyd was going to be a part of Evolution. It was like, yes, uh, yes. They were like, you should meet the director. I'm like, I don't need to. It's a science fiction movie about... <laughs> The evolution of humankind with the with Ghostbusters. Okay, this is not about Hollywood stuff anymore. This is about me being a nerd. <laughs>
0: so you just did it as a fan.
1: Uh, fanned out the whole time. There
0: happened to be a script. <laughs>
1: No way! I'm not doing it. Right, so, it right. so it's been so funny to hear people say things like, "Oh man, what did you do after Evolution?" or "Why did you go do, do yeah. this?" or "Why did you go do that?" I've been I've been a fan this whole time. I wasn't following some career path. I was doing the things that spoke directly to my life and my history and my love of the entertainment business. And I it, and whenever a crazy one came up, I just thought, "I'm doing that," you know, like. Huh. Why not? Like, I get to work with a guy who, you know, um, Midnight Run.
0: Did you ever have a plan? Or you just be like, oh, this is cool. I can, I'm can. i here.
1: That was my plan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Midnight Run. It's one of my favorite films. George Gallo wrote that film. Uh-huh. George Gallo wrote Double Take. George Gallo directed Double Take. I get to work with a guy who dreamed up Midnight Run and, by the way, writes a lot of the dialogue for um, um, Robert De Niro. Uh-huh. All the Robert De Niro films, there's always been a Robert De Niro, often I shouldn't say, always been a pass done to make sure you had Robert De Niro's voice in that film. And he does the pass. And he's the guy oh, who, yeah, did, yeah. who always did the Robert De Niro pass. Wow. So the voice of Robert De Niro as, certainly as an actor is, to be fair, partly cl- crafted by the writing stylings of George Gallo, who is also the author of Midnight Run. Uh-huh double take to me that's a compelling reason like because it can't be just about money and fame if if that's all you showed up here for then good for you but that's not why i came here so for me it was like oh my god i i grew up on that Uh uh-huh that was mad crazy like i'm gonna work with the dude from ghostbusters i grew up on that
0: (laughs) how much did double take change from when you guys did it to when it finished, when you saw it on the screen,
1: quite a bit actually, a lot because I was supposed to. I wanted Eddie's role.
0: Uh huh. I didn't want to play oh, the really? other guy. I had no interest in that
1: character, and they really wanted
0: me to play that other role. Because it's more of the leading man role, is that?
1: I, I what I, I guess that's what it was. Um, but everybody was on board but me. Uh-huh. So everybody was against me. I begged the studio for the other role. They told me no. Um I did everything in my power to get the other role and I couldn't have it.
0: What what was the reasoning? What was your reasoning?
1: I because if I am if I'm looking at where I'm from, that role is a lot closer to home. I I know that guy. I know that con man. I know that hustler. That that guy's in my family. I'm, I'm from them, you know. I'm not from a wealthy Hollywood family. I'm not from the West Coast. I'm not from New York or Chicago. Uh-huh. I'm from Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> you understand know <what> I me? Mean? <laughs> so you'll figure. So, yeah, I'm from, you know, uh, yeah. Green- Grumville South Carolina, <laughs> Tallahassee, Florida, Orangeburg, South Carolina. I'm, I'm a southerner. Uh-huh. So, you know, to me, a lot of my life was walking around with my great grandfather and listening to the way he spoke to people. And the way he spoke to people was everybody was the same. He never met a stranger in his life. He sounded like he was a salesman, but he was never selling anything. He just wanted to hear your story from your perspective if he had the time. Uh And that's just the way it went. And he was kind of like the mayor, but he wasn't the mayor of anything.
0: Right, right. Everyone knew him. He acted
1: like he was the fucking mayor. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, if you had met this motherfucker, literally, if you had seen my great grandfather for far, you would have been like, I don't know who that gentleman is, but he's in charge of something, isn't (laughs) he? And he wasn't in charge of shit, okay? (laughs) He was just one of those Southern guys, and that's the, way he, that's the way he politicked in the world. Right. And I grew up at that guy's feet, so I, I politic in the world the same way. He was like, just be you, boo-boo. You ain't got to worry about the rest of this.
0: And that's how you saw Eddie's character, that character.
1: I saw that character very much as a street guy, a con man, selling you a story. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and his ability to sell you that story, to pull the con, the grifters, nice. is... <laughs> is another, you know, thing that I've always loved. I love Griff movies, The Sting. Uh Uh, I mean, those are my, you know, oh my God, The Sting. I got a chance to meet the producer of it once. Uh, I was gonna do a film with him and it didn't come together. It's a studio out in Venice, but uh, George, what's his name, he's produced The Sting. Well, the ending
0: of that totally pulls you in. Yeah. But then, all right. So the ending of uh, Double Take is—it comes out out it,
1: it, of nowhere. Left field. Look, you know, it's one of those movies. I, I, you know, I, I hate my work, so I'm the last person. <laughs> well,
0: you, just in a, in a insecure kind of uh, modest I, no, level. No, alert. no,
1: no, no. Sometimes, you know, you we we reach for the stars and fell short. You know what I mean? Right. I I like Double Take. Uh, I think it's a okay film. But yeah, yeah. you know, but, but um, you know, for me I think we made a lot of mistakes and I thought we could have done a better job of telling the story and I wish we had done a better job of telling the story and um and so exactly. I was what
0: would you change or what could you have changed?
1: I think I think I wanted um it to And this is of no no fault of anyone, right? There are a lot of voices in the room. There are a lot of masters you have to serve, and I don't want to be disparaging of anybody's work because George Gallo did a great job directing it, and I had a fun time with Eddie Griffin and Dave Permit and Steve Longy and really all the people involved, so it was blessed for me. I can't complain about it as an experience. But as a film, I thought it would have been more interesting to play it more straight,
0: Uh
1: uh, play it more enemy of the state-ish, uh, if you will, and less as a, as a comedy in, in many places.
0: Was it originally that, or was it always a comedy?
1: You know, I think with different cast-attached, movies right. often change colors, you know, uh-huh. everybody knows that person's gonna color it differently, uh-huh. but since I was coloring in a box that, in my opinion, was empty, I could if I could put any color I wanted on that film, that's the color I wanted on it, and that's why I wanted to play that role because I felt the tenor of that role would control the tone of the film. And Eddie, who's hysterical and is amazing, killed it as Eddie. Like, nobody could do that role like Eddie can do that role. But that's a different tone than, um, than I had originally hoped to do that film as. And when Eddie showed up, I was like, okay, this is different. But you know what? I love Eddie Griffin, and this is a totally cool way to do it, too. Yeah. But had I been the filmmaker-producer, I would have gone for a different color.
0: Right, right. No, so at that right. point, you're like, oh, I'm in the actor. That wasn't my job. That, right, that was just right. my, so
1: my point of view. So if, you, if you're asking me as a producer, as a creator, I would have meant I would have made that film uh, with a totally different color and a lot, a lot more grittiness. I would have made it a lot dirtier, a lot of North by Northwest-ish. Um, North by Northwest is exact, exactly what I would have made it. And in that point, I would have loved to have played Daryl Chase in North by Northwest or to play the Peter Lorre role, either yeah. role would have been amazing to play and, and in that color which would be the which which to be fair is the exact color i would have made it with uh-huh. is just a totally different film yeah uh but it doesn't it doesn't devalue the one that we made it just isn't the one i would have made
0: right so you, at that time you get there and you go okay now i'm making their movie
1: at, well you know they were what happened was i it's always a funny thing in Hollywood sometimes where you'll get asked a question and then if you answer it, people are mad at you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know what? Like the the, the uh, beauty pageant woman. Yes. Who uh, said something about uh, about gays? Gay yes. Marriage. How you asked her a question?
1: You exactly. Yeah. So my question, my answer far less volatile. Go ahead. Uh, go. And far I'm less. A bar. I'm a bar <laughs> Thank you, because I'm uh, based, based on that bar, I'm home free here. You know, I I got asked what I thought of the film and, you know, how I would, you know, do you want to do this? And if so, with you doing this, what would this look like to you? Which is a perfectly reasonable question for them to ask me.
0: Right, they want you to do it.
1: So I gave it a perfectly reasonable answer, which is I'd make North by Northwest. And that got met with. We're not doing that. Now, it was said very politely, (laughs) but we're not doing that. So I was like, okay. Right. Uh, As an egomaniac, if I'm a star, then screw you, I'm walking away. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm going to get an opportunity to work with George Gallo. Right. Uh, So what are y'all thinking then? (laughs) Yeah. Can I play that color? Sure, I can play that. No problem. Yeah, you want a more straight-laced dude. Got it. No problem. Yeah, okay, I, I got it. Um, how Wall street do you want him? How far do you want to stick up his ass? You told me. <laughs> you know, you want it looser. You want it crazy loose. You want it almost where it feels like he's right with him and they're, it feels like the, they're both con men in essence, so I do that version of it. And I guess they thought that was too close to what Eddie was going to do. And they were, no, no, no. And they, they asked me for that, so I gave them what they wanted. That was my job. Right. Uh, and, you know, having asked me in the first place, I answered. And, of course, after I answered, they looked at me like I was crazy. That is so
0: funny. And you're the first
1: person to ask me since then. Because uh-huh. yeah, no one ever asked after the actors that question. And also, generally, the films, you can't say that. You know, that film's long enough ago that. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody would witch hunt me, and also I'm not being disrespectful to anybody involved. You know, what I mean, honestly, I don't think the companies around. I'm not. You know, what I mean, but you know, the companies are around. But I'm
0: like, I'm just kidding. It's I, Disney.
1: Yeah, of course, They're never going anywhere. Of course, never going anywhere. And you know, and, and I still remember who greenlit that film and Nina Jacobson, who I think is one of the most amazing producers Hollywood has ever had. Um, You know, just it was a blessed experience for me from top to bottom. But I don't think I've ever had an experience that I didn't feel that way about.
0: Was that that you didn't have full control or that? No,
1: like control notwithstanding, I went into it with open eyes. I did what was asked of me each time. I I, I certainly did everything in my power to give them whatever was asked of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tried to color it as much as I can within that. But I really tried to give them what they asked me for and it's a blessed position to be in in the first place so it's always been like man this is awesome and there is the really grateful me and then there's the artistic me who would who sometimes wish i got to color that this way or this way but that wasn't my job and now i'm at the point in my career where i get to people allow me more latitude you know I, i think that sleepy hollow is a fantastic example of you know i'm i'm only as good as mark goffman and and, you know, Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi, I mean, those guys, you know, when you're handed that kind of source material with, from those type of writers, yeah. you know what I mean? Right, well, it's, really, it's really your job not to mess it up. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the, you know let's what I mean? This isn't some indie kid who just handed you a little something he thought of last weekend, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean? These are total fanboys who love this world and know this world so well, and to be in those type of hands, I mean, it's really my job not to fuck it up, so I really give all credit to Frank Irving to them, because I think they are the architects
0: of him. It's such a big success and it is such a crazy show. What did you think when you saw it? Did you think it would be so huge? You
1: know, I honestly, again, I have to give all credit where credit is due, and I say this with absolutely no hyperbole. Um, I think everybody on the planet heard Sleepy Hollow uh-huh. and thought, what the fuck? Right. Okay, another franchise that's going to get trampled over by Hollywood. It's going to be full of crap. It's never going to be as good as the movie, and half the people didn't like the movie. And I right. love the movie, <laughs> so I don't even understand that. I was like, really? Is Johnny Depp asleep
0: here? Well, what do you have to do? What Really, <laughs> yo, <this?" laughs>
1: as soon as I saw the horse kick his legs in the air I was like rap take my 10 bucks I'll pay for that in advance that one shot worth the money I'm in <laughs> right yeah. from, from nerd perspective yeah, I was yeah. like I don't know what y'all talking about <laughs> this is the sexiest shit ever okay I wanna run in that place I wanna live in that world one day
0: but it's like what more does he have to do
1: what more does he have to do yo yeah. he's killing it yo I mean so for me that's how I felt and half of y'all didn't like it oh y'all kiss my ass this is awesome right so I went into it thinking but I entrust it to this collection of, of artists, uh-huh. you know, who really are fanboys as well. So it's not like somebody's going to remake it who doesn't really know what it is. Do you know what I mean? So I went into it with that perspective. That's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to work with those people, plain and simple. My same reason as usual: mm-hmm. Hercules and Zena, big crazy fan. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Underworld. You know, Lynn Weisman. Come on, man! What, what a great eye. So anyway, long story short, uh, I saw it. And I, I just sat there and I turned it back on. I watched it again and I sat there and my phone rang and I answered it. and I said, I just saw Sleepy Hollow. I got to call you back. Click. And I watched it again. Wow. And I was like, this is fantastic. The, the world I thought was so beautifully created, particularly on a television schedule for a television budget, mm-hmm. it was a blockbuster. It looked like a blockbuster, it felt like a blockbuster. And I was like, I've been on blockbuster sets before, I, I know what that looks like, and this is gonna be insane, because I was a fan the second I saw it, and it changed, for me, everything about this show. Because I've never, ever, in my entire career, sat down and watched something at the end and been a fan of something that I was a part of. I've been blessed to have people be fans of my work, which I consider like the stupidest honor, so, for me it's like it's so upside down like they're like i'm such a fan of yours and i like geek out because i'm like i have a fan like that's still really a mind-boggling concept you know to you know you know john lee jones son
0: (laughs) (laughs) but are you like uh yeah i agree like i love your show yeah me too (laughs) Yeah. yeah and that's the part where i can be me uh-huh. where I
1: don't have to act like I'm somebody I'm not so right. I'm like you're like, I'm like, yeah me too hell yeah Yeah. and I can you know and here are all the crazy reasons I did all these other things for the exact same thing because I'm just a fucking big fanboy or fangirl the way you to call it and since fanboy seems not as inclusive a word as I would like I say fangirl because I'm not homophobic enough to care <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you know what I mean yeah. I'm like I could so care less about that I mean god misogyny homophobic I mean, come on. I, I live in a multicultural world, and that's my world, so. Right,
0: right. You can, yeah, can't slow down.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I'm a citizen of the globe. I'm a citizen uh-huh. of the world. I'm not a, you know, yes, I'm a, born in the U.S., you know, go USA all day long. <laughs> all day long. That's my home team. I root for my That's home, home team. team.
0: But you like the whole league.
1: Hey, I like the whole league like that. <laughs> I know it's crazy. All of the leagues, all the colors, Indian, Asian, you know, Eastern European. I, You know, because I've gotten a chance to travel all over the world. and I've gotten a chance to meet people from all over the world. So I've gotten a chance to literally fall in love with, you know, every Virtually every group, and I'm I'm gonna include pygmies in that group. You have
0: met pygmies. I've
1: met a pygmy. What
0: is that like? Well, where did you guys
1: meet? Uh, uh, obviously in Africa in the bush. <laughs> nah, we was at Starbucks, man. You know, <laughs> they had a pygmy latte, and uh, it, it was a latte, not a latte, and uh, <laughs> and it was just so delicious, man. Uh, they they made it from uh, Andalusian um, um, horse tears, uh, previously from unicorns, of course, uh, and a uh, unicorn conspacles and of course dog farts yeah, well yeah. of course Yeah, that, that's the, the combustion that's the magic that's how you incinerate everything to get it really magical they don't have a
0: cappuccino machine yeah they get the steam
1: no no you need a dog yeah. fart, dog yeah, fart. Dog yeah that's what does it all yeah, yeah. yeah. extra dog. because if you've ever been in a room with a dog fart you yeah. know that opening a door it's not enough you're blind for at least 10 seconds it's <laughs> like a flashbang bam <laughs> you're like can't see shit can't oh my god can't see nothing dog fart that's what we call that dog fart
0: that's what I mean they say you know you fart you can blame it on the dog you when no it's
1: a dog. When it's a dog fart, it, yeah. it's. I'm telling you, it's a flashbang. <laughs> That's why you say Keep it like flashbang. I'm yeah. just telling you if, if you, if somebody goes, did the dog fart? You go, that ain't a real dog fart. <laughs> no. Okay. No, that was you. <laughs> that was you. Okay. <laughs>
0: no one's wrong. <following. laughs>
1: it ain't completely rank in this motherfucker. I mean, it's nasty. I grant you, it's nasty as hell. Okay. <laughs> but it's not yeah. dog fart nasty, okay? Yeah. Uh, the paint will peel the walls. <laughs> If the dog cocks his leg up right, okay. <laughs> Poor pygmy's choking. <laughs> Poor pygmy's choking out, laying on the ground. You think you're on the island of Doctor Moreau? <laughs> you're looking for Marlon Brando. <laughs> so funny. Marlon, I got a sandwich for you. <laughs> and that is the only way you were gonna get my man in the building at that time. God bless him. Oh, God, what an incredible guy. He he was another guy who was just so miraculous. I saw him in Streetcar Named Desire. Um, oh in the movie yeah in the movie in the out. movie yeah. The movie was black amazing. and white and yeah. it 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 was actually a stage play just filmed really yeah yeah and I saw a stage play filmed and it was so riveting to me that it you know that was one of the that was one of the things that made me want to become an actor uh-huh. and then I saw Dr. Strangelove and and Peter Sellers and The Party and uh Oh, man, the Jersey Kaczynski Knuckle is a novel that he did, of course, which he won the Oscar for, Being There. Being There, right. Um, And Peter Sellers and Cary Grant uh, and Paul Robeson and Marlon Brando and James Earl Jones, Jess and Sidney Poitier and then De Niro and... You know, Tom Wilkinson just rocked my fucking world Uh as as an actor. And uh, I just fell in love with, you know, Sellers, who was just a chameleon. It was amazing, yeah. And I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be able to do what he did to completely change colors um, at the drop of a dime.
0: Well, That's what bedazzled was. For you. It felt like you guys were. Yes. Totally, sometimes it wasn't even recognizable.
1: Sometimes it wasn't. It was really fun to do it, but I wanted to do it, you know, from you know something like Liberty Heights or Drumline or even Sleepy, which are all very different dramatic characters. Uh-huh. Um, or Chicago Eight, though I'm not a huge, you know, <clears throat> I really I enjoyed the film. I just wish I had done better is that all <laughs> one on of those I, I, in that one I, I blame myself a lot
0: um, because of your experience
1: no no not time. at all I have a great group of people in the whole nine just you know me wanting uh, you know it to be a transformative Chicago 8 movie it's, right. it's a totally you know If you want to know about the Chicago 8 please go it's Incredibly, it will inform you, and it's not BS. Uh-huh. Uh, so, in that sense, it's very much historic. Um, in that way, that it's it's just that, but it's not you know it's not a transformative narrative. It's not you know Oliver Stone's JFK or Costa Gavras' Z, which is where Oliver Stone's JFK came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we're talking about Costa Gavras, then no, it's not that. And when I look at things that are sort of political thrillers in that sort of realm, I think of Costa Gavras and Z as the benchmark that most was transformative for me in those type of movies.
0: So you just think but do you think Chicago wait, was just a film to tell the story and not to change mind? Exactly. I think it was yeah. just a film to tell so the story not...
1: whereas Costa Gavras completely changes your perspective not only on the politics but on the players right, right. on both sides of the thing and 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 the casualties along the way the 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 number of human casualties that come out of it I don't think was ever more more beautifully portrayed than than that and I think Oliver Stone did an obviously an incredible job of it in JFK. I mean uh-huh. You know, JFK's a pretty incredible movie so you know don't don't let me disparage it at all so you know and Oliver Stone's an incredible filmmaker so mm-hmm. you know yeah totally you know blown away and gripped by JFK as well but again I, I don't think it, it's, it doesn't hold a candle to either of those films and that is the benchmark so I have to judge it fairly and if I'm judging it fairly from my perspective I don't like it but <laughs> that's you as the actor that's yeah. me as the actor You're Right and As a dramatic performance that would be different than something on mad tv or double take or bedazzle that is a completely different color Uh so to to honor you know the story that we're telling which is that of my desire to want to be somewhere in the realm of peter sellers i needed to have all colors on record in in all different genres of media because to me the game wasn't just to do it in film it was to be able to do it as a as a talk show host uh, i could do it on a game show i could do it on a morning show, I could do it in a dramatic film, I could do it in a comedic film, I could do it in a thriller, I could do it in a horror movie, you know, it was the idea to sort of occupy all the different um, facets of it, you know, to get John Carpenter when you're trying to get horror, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, Or or get slasher camp when you're trying to get slasher camp, you know, just the fun of sort of playing those different colors because, you know, I look at that slasher camp movie as though I know people consider, have their feelings about whether or not those people are bad actors or not. Uh I consider it a style of acting. Right. And that's their style and they're great at that style and it's appealing. So can I do that style? Can I, can I seem authentic within that campy realm and not stick out?
0: So you would go out for those kind of roles?
1: If the if it presented itself and you know some so you, you know could, player yeah. emerged, mm-hmm. you know that 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 harkened me back to that time in my life, or me having sat there for the first time and seen it as a fan, mm-hmm. and my belief that they're going to be able to paint something similar to the color that they previously painted, if if that's their intention, then of right. course I'm I'm interested in hearing what they want to do, because I was inspired by their work and see them as visionaries on some level because. I was a part of I loved their vision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether or not someone else considered them visionaries is not my business. I loved their vision of this film was a part of that story world and was a fan of it. And I want uh, the opportunity to work with somebody who touched me that way, you know, and, and as a fan, I don't I, I, it's the only way I can feel like I look back at my career and be able to say
0: what an incredible ride. Were you worried were being stereotyped in a genre. Yes, you very that much. Then you did it. so. Is that why you you jumped around different genres? I that?
1: did. I I wanted you know uh, because I believed then that digital was the future, and I was vocal about it then. But I think it was the future because it it's it's genre agnostic. As a fan, I don't know what you mean by genre, because if I look at my iPod playlist, it consists of songs from all different genres, and that's just a workout playlist. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So I might have a rock song, a metal song, a funk song, a reggae song, a, a whole lot of hip-hop, some r and B. I I mean, it might be all manner of song uh, to the merengue, if that's what gets you going, you know what I'm saying? in a workout playlist. So what does genre mean Uh to the fan? That's something businesses use. So the idea that distribution was going to be able to be empowered in such a way that the fan would have unfettered access to whatever flavor they desired was interesting to me as a fan. And... I never wanted to be a part of one singular flavor. I like ice cream. I like all them flavors. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't divorce no ice cream. You can come up with the Rocky Road, the, yes. the Praline Crunch, the, you know, the deep funk purple. I mean, okay. all I need is a co-signer to be like, hey, man, taste this one right here. This shit right here, this, this shit right here is good. What they call this? This is called uh, monkey testicles. Now, listen to me, though. You got a little minty flavor. They call it monkey. But beyond that, it's the best chocolate you ever had. Monkey Testicles, huh? So oh, damn! It do got a little mini pepper flavor. I got you, monkey testicles. It's delicious. <laughs> it's still ice cream. Still ice cream, uh, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> it's not for me. It's for my ass. Okay, <laughs> to my evolution family. So, anyway, my, my, you know the thing is, I see. I always saw it that way. So uh-huh. that's always my approach. And I've always been told that approach is crazy. And I'm like, I'd, I'm willing to accept that it is crazy, but it's mine. Right. It's not anybody else's. It's not because I'm trying to be anybody but me. And last I checked, you showed your ass up here for the same reason I did, motherfucker, because you saw some shit changed your life. You became a fucking fan. So quit playing. Like, you big Mr. Fancy fans. I'm big Mr. Fancy fans. We ain't nothing but a bunch of fans, yo. So... Can I just have a real conversation and you do whatever you want to do and you stay out of my business and let me be me? All right, word up. We good. Let's roll. Right, right. That's my whole joint right there. That's my, that's my thing. And, and it's been, it has served me well because I think it still allows me to do the job I've always dreamed of.
0: So let's talk about "Tainted of Love. Yeah, you were able to produce that on your own? Is that, yeah, man. Your that your idea?
1: And... That was my baby. It was my idea, but it's very much the brainchild of three people, um, of which I'm one. Uh, my partner, Noem Drami, and Avi Uabian. Noem actually uh, co-wrote A Dolphin's Tale. Yeah. Um, and uh, that crazy man. And then uh, Avi Uabian uh, actually was is an editor who uh, Gary Fleeter had recommended to me. And um, he's just an incredible storyteller. He'd did cut Never Say Never and uh, cut uh, you know I think the Katy Perry movie is one of those people that you you know you give footage to and he comes back with the movie mm-hmm. um, and and sometimes in ways and in places that you didn't think there was something there he is just a a real storyteller and a graduate of USC Film School and so the three of us got together and said we wanted to make a comic book and we're all comic book nerds and we thought let's not draw it on paper you know because that doesn't really make any sense anymore because everyone says the print business is dead and Mm -hmm. we all love the print business so (laughs) so fuck those people (laughs) but still we should probably make this for digital and what would that look like and how would it feel 2d but be 3 d and you know all the questions that come to mind and tainted love is the product of that that effort uh, our, our sort of you know, love story to the world of fandom and in many ways to our love of things that we've always been made fun of about. So we call it Tainted Love because we were the, you know, I was a Mad Magazine fan. That's why I did Mad TV. (laughs) It's a simple road with me. I'm not a complicated (laughs) dude, okay? See ice cream, eat ice cream. Huh, you, you, you really didn't, this is monkey balls, monkey ass, what you call it? This is delicious.
0: See? <laughs> all it goes right back to monkey ball ice cream. Monkey ball, monkey ball ice cream. It all comes back there. That's awesome. We're going to wrap it up.
1: Oh, we got to wrap it up? She kicked yeah, me out? Okay, well, out. hopefully. yeah. So Dude, was this awesome. was awesome. A lot of fun, brother. Thank you.
0: That was Orlando Jones. Thanks, man. And thanks to Noam Dromi, of course, and Sabrina Hutchinson for putting this interview together. If you like today's interview, put it on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. My Twitter account, of course, is at Proudly Resents. If you want to buy or rent anything, go to our website, proudlyresents.com OJ. You can talk about Orlando Jones movies, your favorite, or the ones you didn't realize he was in, go to the Proudly Resents Facebook page. We are on every other week, but we have over 100 episodes, almost 150. You can hear interviews with Lloyd Kaufman, Shadow Stevens, George Hardy from Troll 2, Bobcat Goldberg, Tommy Wiseau, check him out. And uh, go to our website, ProudlyResents.com, check out all the shows, subscribe on iTunes, say something nice on iTunes. All right, got to go. Adam, that, th- we're, we're out of time for this interview.